0: last week I showed you a workbook. Today we're back to the traditional book. So this week's book is the guide for separated parents. um, Putting your children first. So obviously this is really designed for separating parents um, and not for individuals who are separating who don't have children. The reason why I'm recommending this book is I first came across um, the authors, Karen, Karen and Nick Woodall, at a conference in London. And they're kind of unusual in the sense that they are a husband and wife team who work in family law. So that in itself is already quite unusual. There are not many husband and wife teams, uh, although you could imagine that for lots of reasons it might be helpful to have a gender balanced team working with your family. Um, but I really like this book. I have to say as a family mediator, I didn't feel there was anything in the book that was novel in the sense that I haven't heard it before, or it isn't something that I know family mediators are trained in, or that we don't tell clients when we're working with them. The reason I'm recommending this book is because it's a very condensed, it's well written, it's an easy read, but everything is kind of in one place. So I think from that perspective, it's quite helpful because it puts together a lot of information that I think we would as family mediators hope that parents um, are aware of or that we try and share with parents. So from that perspective, I think this is a really helpful book for separated parents. And they have a couple of things that they really stress are important. Four things that I wanted to just highlight. One is to separate your feelings as an adult from your feelings as a parent. And this is something we talk about a lot in mediation, which is that when people are in relationship and have children, there are two relationships going on. One is your adult intimate relationship, and the other is your co-parenting relationship. And that when that relationship ends, the adult relationship goes away, terminates. But the co-parenting relationship continues. And the challenge is that often the negative aspects from the adult relationship, I was betrayed, you had an affair, you haven't supported me, I can't trust you, impact on the co-parenting. And what we try and work on in mediation is helping adults to separate this adult relationship ending. And yes, that didn't work out. And that person wasn't there for you with the co-parenting relationship continuing and needing to function on some level to ensure that the children are supported and cared for. So that idea of the separation of the two, this sort of um, binary nature of a parent adult relationship is something I think people don't often think about but in mediation we really try and help parents to make that shift to say yes my adult relationship hasn't worked and as an adult I'm not going to trust you again we're not going to be in an intimate relationship again but as a co-parent we can work together and we can find common ground because we have children that need us to be there for them. Second thing Um, focus on Children, And this is, again, is something that's very consonant with family mediation, that most family mediation where there are children uses a type of mediation called child focused mediation, where we try and focus the parents on the best interests of the children. What is it the children need? How can the parents support that? Um, And again, that's really a very key factor. It's an ethical requirement for family mediators in most countries that we help parents focus on best interests. Now, it's really important to note that there need to, needs to be special attention to safety concerns. So if there are safety concerns, that needs to come first. But essentially, and this is a difficult message, I think, for a lot of parents to hear is in most countries, we're using a model which the courts use, which is what is good enough parenting? That there are no perfect parents. I have yet to meet one. Um, but there are a lot of good enough parents. So they're good enough. And one of the challenges is people sometimes say to me when they're separating, but but they're not a good parent. I'm a better parent. They're not an involved parent. Um, They've never done this. They don't know how to do that. The challenge is, A, they are a parent and that has consequences that they get to be there to support their kids. And the second thing is courts, judges don't go into intact families and winnow out the less than perfect parents. So unless there's a safety concern, we don't go into intact families and say, well, you're not actually great at parenting. We're just going to use the other parent. But yet when people separate, they sometimes feel that that's what can happen. So I think it's just making sure that there is an appropriate focus on the children, that we understand that we need to pay special attention to safety concerns. But that there, if there isn't a safety concern, if it's just they're not great at parenting, they're still a parent. The other thing um, that they ask is continuity. So they talk about establishing a sense of continuity for children. And we sometimes, I think as family mediators, talk about stability, helping children to have a sense of stability to enable them to successfully transition from being in an intact family to a separated family. And I think that's really important. So it can be lots of things. I think for some people, it becomes a bit about bricks and mortar, And that people want to focus on staying in the matrimonial home, the children not moving out of the matrimonial home, and definitely moving around, transitioning from one parent's home to the other can be a challenge for children. I certainly would never minimize that. But I guess it's more about making sure that children feel they have two parents, that even if they don't live with both parents anymore, they have access to both parents, that both parents are involved in their lives, that both parents are engaged with them. And so that's really, I think, what the continuity is about. That that's important. That children don't feel that they've either lost a parent, or that they've been abandoned by a parent, or they've been separated from a parent. Because even though I have heard people say this, at the end of the day, people don't leave their children; they are leaving the adult relationship, and that can be a really hard, a hard and bitter um, pill to swallow. But it's the it's the reality. And yet I do hear people say, well, I've told the children that you know, the other parent left them, left us as a family. And actually, I think that's a that's a very hard message to deliver to a child. And really, the message is the adult relationship is ended, but the other person hasn't said, I don't want to be a parent. So focusing on children, providing them with the sense of continuity in parenting, really important. And the last one that they suggest is. Looking at trying to put in place arrangements that the two of you agree. That it's um, there's lots of professionals out there, there's lots of experts, there's counsellors, there's therapists, um, lawyers will have opinions. And at the end of the day, if people can't agree, then there will be a judge who will tell you what the arrangements will look like for your children. But one of the things that they suggest is there is a real benefit to having the parents, the people who love these children and know these children. And will have to live the arrangements um, more than anybody else in the world. So, you know, your children better than a judge does. You will have to live the arrangements. A judge won't. Your lawyer won't. A mediator doesn't. And so really helpful to have people put in place their own arrangements. So from my perspective as a family mediator, when people come in, I want to understand a little bit about what the children are like as people. I want to be able to provide information to the parents Um, psychosocial education around uh, children's developmental needs, what might be going on for them emotionally based on their stage of development, looking at research around what types of arrangements and schedules are supportive for children, and then layering all of that together to come up with an arrangement that the parents make and that the parents can make work, is realistic, um, is supportive of the children, is supported by research, that is is really tailored to that family. And so definitely I've got sort of arrangements at full inches of the spectrum. So one end of the spectrum, maybe the arrangements are very amicable and really they're quite loose because the parents have proven to each other that they can work together to deal with flexible arrangements. And there's enough structure there for the children. The other end of the spectrum, I've maybe got parents who are really struggling to find any common ground or any way of communicating or problem solving and definitely for them we're much more likely to put in place very specific structures and um, more firm structures with a little bit of flexibility uh, because life happens but more structure to reduce the potential for conflict to enable the parents to actually move on with life rebuild some trust as co-parents to get to a place where flexibility is appropriate. Because often I think one thing is that when people come in and see me, one parent may be very motivated to do everything that they think is amicable and put in place these very flexible arrangements. And the other person is just, they're not ready to trust the other person again. And so it can be really important to do baby steps with arrangements to put in place arrangements that feel structured, have boundaries have consequences have contingencies but are not too flexible and then over time people can as trust is rebuilt as co-parents can relax into flexibility but the problem is if you try and put flexibility in the beginning before people are ready it can backfire and if it goes wrong now we've lost trust not just as people who were in a relationship but now we've lost trust as people who are separated but are co-parents and so from my perspective that's kind of the worst situation what I want is to help people have structure have flexibility that's appropriate and give them give them space to be able to rebuild trust as co-parents because that can happen that if you put in place arrangements and people live up to them then the other person can relax a little bit their limbic system can relax they won't they don't feel as defensive all the time and things get easier over time so that is my perspective I guess from family mediation but this book this book um, I do think is really helpful because it's quite a concise um, series of insights into separating parents there are a couple of things in here that I'm like hmm, I haven't heard that before so for example one thing they talk about is in terms of new partners um, not introducing a new partner for at least a year after separation um, to children. At least in my jurisdiction, that isn't um, an arrangement that a court would make. A court wouldn't make that order if you went there. Sometimes you can agree things like that in mediation. Um, I guess what I would say is we definitely would advise a period of time that the parents agree is appropriate because apart from enabling the children to have time to grieve, you also want to enable the parent to know this is a significant relationship because the worst thing would be for a child to meet a whole series of new aunts or uncles um, who are around for a little bit long enough for children to like them and then disappear from their lives. So I think guidance around how to deal with new partners is really helpful. Um, something to consider is a year the right time frame for your family? Um, so I think there are some interesting ideas in here and some good insights. Um, But like everything, you need to see what works for your family and not. So again, Summer Book Club Read uh, for this week is The Guide for Separated Parents. So take care and I will see you next week.